Following Jesus will make your life harder. That might not have been what you expected for the first line of the sermon, and that coupled with the scripture, you might be thinking, great, can't wait to hear the rest of this. But truth in advertising, following Jesus will make your life harder, at least from time to time. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, that is not a sentence you are likely to hear in church these days. Because we pastors want to keep you coming to church, and that sentence is bad for business, or so we think. So we tend to kind of paper over the hard parts of being a Christian and talk about all the, all the positive stuff. Sort of like a classified ad I once saw that said, Lost, one dog, right leg broken due to auto accident, right eye missing, left ear bitten off in a dog fight, answers to the name Lucky. We pastors tend to kind of gloss over the fact that there's a cost to following Jesus and focus on all the ways Jesus makes your life better. And there are lots of ways Jesus makes our life better, and I'll talk about those in a bit. But the gospel disturbs the comfortable as much as it comforts the disturbed. So let me just talk about the cost just for a minute. There's an old saying that says, in order to make a bacon and egg breakfast, the chicken need only be supportive, but the pig has got to be committed. Some, it's, it always takes a while to get that one, right? <laughs> and what I love about you as a congregation is y'all are pigs. You are committed. I didn't mean that. <laughs> you know what I mean. You are committed. You're in. You're in full bore. I know that about you after six years, and it's a thrill to be your pastor because of that. And you are, there are some costs that you are bearing to following Jesus. And what are the costs? What are the kinds of costs we face in our culture? Well, you guys know it because some of you are doing it. Things like you're serving in ways that have cost you some time. You're giving your money sacrificially. You're out-of-the-closet Christians who talk about Jesus at the risk of being ridiculed. You're committed to family and faith first, which means you're not workaholics, and that may have cost you a promotion or, or some upward mobility. You've obeyed Jesus and sought reconciliation with folks that you're mad at, and that is hard to do, and on and on. There's a lot of costs. And I know that as a congregation, you can not only handle a sermon that talks about the fact that there are costs to following Christ, I think you want me to give a sermon like that from time to time. Because you know that a faith that asks nothing, costs nothing, risks nothing, yields nothing. Look at the early Christians. They were mocked, they were jailed, they were beaten, killed, major costs, but also some huge benefits. Not, not as rewards that God gave them because they worked really hard and that made God like them better. No, 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 no. God loves us no matter what. They weren't results, they weren't rewards for their hard work. Just the natural results of surrender to Jesus. Things like God made them brave, brave enough to face all of the stuff they had to face without fear. They were so free from fear and worry that they sold their possessions and gave what they had to the poor. And they liked it. They had fun. It wasn't a, oh, guess we should give some money to the poor. It was get to, sell everything I've got and give to the poor. They were a band of brothers and sisters in tight community, living in life-giving friendships, walking side by side with each other. They had adventures together. They prayed powerful prayers and the blind could see and the lame could walk and the sick got well. Transcendence, community, significance, joy, peace, and on and on. There were some costs, but whoa, there's some major benefits. One thing's for certain is they weren't bored. And I want to be like them. I want to be brave. I want to be free. I want to live large for Jesus, and I think you do too. 
And that's why we're doing this sermon series on surrendering everything we have to Jesus. Because when we do that, we experience his power. And I am convinced that one of the reasons we do not experience his power as much as we could is because we're afraid to surrender. Because we know that there's going to be a cost. And there are costs. Now, I want to be clear. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, you know, that the only way we can really be Christians is if we're miserable. I'm not saying that. This week someone sent me a story about a boy who was looking at a plaque in his church that had names on it and American flags around it. And the boy asked the pastor, what's this? And the the pastor said, well, that's a memorial to the men and women who died in the service. And the boy said, oh, which one, the 9 o'clock or the 11? (laughs) That is so often how we view God and church, right? He's out to kill you, out to make you just miserable. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not, I, I'm not talking about that today. God, God loves you, and he's not out to make you miserable. He loves us more than you can imagine. And he meets us in good times as well as hard times. I'm not saying that we can only be met by God if things are awful. No. What I, I do want to say is the ultimate result of surrender is joy. But there are some costs. If we surrender our marriage and do it God's way, we will have a fantastic marriage. It works 100% of the time filled with life and joy and romance and passion and all kinds of stuff, but there will be some costs. We will, have to, we will maybe have to ask forgiveness for ways that we've hurt our spouse. We will need to help our spouse, empower our spouse, become everything that they were created to be. If we surrender control, we will have amazing adventures as we follow the nudges of the Holy Spirit, but there's a cost. We won't be in control. God will. There are costs and benefits to following Jesus. And that's what Jeremiah discovers in the passage that that Dana just read. Jeremiah is a prophet. He does what God tells him to do. He goes to the Israelites and he says, stop worshiping idols. Stop thinking that money is going to make you secure. Stop thinking that entertainment is going to take away your pain. Stop thinking that control is going to save you. Only God can. And what does he get for all of his efforts? He gets beaten, put in the stocks, thrown into a well, and then carted off into exile. Sign me up. That sounds great, right? As St. Teresa said, God, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few of them. And have you ever felt like that? Felt like Jeremiah. Felt like you've tried to do everything right, but then everything around you goes wrong. Feel like you've worked hard and you've you've tried to follow God and then life just gets harder. That's what Jeremiah was feeling. There was a cost to following God, but there were also some big benefits. And there are two that I want to focus on this morning. For starters, we get intimacy with the living God. Another word for that is transcendence. You know, in this passage, Jeremiah is very honest with God. And and one of the things I love about Jeremiah is he can sometimes be a whiner. I mean, there's even a word in English that comes from his name, Jeremiah, which means basically one big long whine. I mean, Jeremiah works in whine the way other artists work in oil or watercolor. He's a master. I aspire to his greatness. Because I can sometimes be a whiner. I mean, my my squeal point is embarrassingly low. You know, my latte is cold. Where's God when it hurts? Right? I, I can get Jeremiah. And in this passage, Jeremiah says, Lord, you have deceived me. Which is how it's usually translated. But most scholars agree that the Hebrew there is actually a little more raw, a little more honest, a little stronger than that. I'm afraid to even say it in church. The actual phrase is probably closer to, you have raped me. It is extremely strong language, bordering on blasphemy. 
but it's also very honest, very real, very intimate. I mean, notice, Jeremiah doesn't pray, Oh Lord, I know that thou art ubiquitous. However, existentially, I am not experiencing thine omnipresence. Amen. Right? That's not what he says. He cries out in despair and anger and hurt and pain. And that's what God wants from us. Authenticity. A real relationship. I remember talking to a college student once whose mother had died and he was mad at God. And, and, and I said, well, tell him that you're mad. And he said, I can't do that. He'll zap me. He's not going to zap you. Go ahead. And so he started to pray, God, I'm a little upset right now. I said, oh, come on. You can do better than that. Let him have it. Now, I'm not advocate, and he did, by the way. In the next couple of weeks, he was very honest in his prayers, and he ended up feeling a lot closer to God because of it. Now, I'm not saying go out and be rude to God this week. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that we can be honest. Jeremiah rants and raves and goes on and on. And what does he discover? How deep the Father loves him. And how much the Father is there for him, even when he rants, even when he's raving. That's why a few verses later, he gets all happy and he says, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. Sing to the Lord, give praise. Throughout scripture, there's a pattern to people's prayers that goes something like this. Oh God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Oh, there you are. I didn't notice that you were there. I didn't notice that you were holding me through this hard time. Didn't notice. They experience how much the father loves them. Maybe not right away, but over time. You know, it's interesting to me that in the 23rd Psalm, which we all know, it, it starts out in the third person. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. But then halfway through the, the Psalm, it switches. It becomes more personal. And the pronoun switches to you. And where does it switch? At the line that says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, you are with me. In the hard times, God often becomes more real, more intimate, more personal. And we discover how much the Father loves us, regardless of what we do or don't do. And that is something we need over and over and over again. It's interesting to me that right after Jeremiah says, sing to the Lord, you know, he's all happy. A few verses later, he's back at it and he says, cursed be the day I was born. I mean, that is just so us, isn't it? You know, back and forth, back and forth. We need connection with God daily. So this week, can you get really honest with God? Tell him exactly what you're feeling and discover how much he loves you. Jeremiah just blasts God, right? And he still makes the Bible's highlight reel. Like he's still on the Bible's greatest hits album. God's not going to blast you. This week, will you be honest? Will you say, Lord, this is what I'm feeling, honestly? Second benefit to following Jesus, even when it's costly, is we get the adventure of being part of God's rescue operation to this planet. You know, Jeremiah gets to predict the coming of Christ. God uses Jeremiah to break Israel's uh, addiction to idolatry. Jeremiah gets an adventure. I just watched the new Indiana Jones movie, and I, I love those kinds of movies, because I, I like to picture myself as Indiana Jones <laughs> or James Bond. You know. I'm not any of those people, but, you know, just up here. I'm a legend in my own mind, right? It's, because I think there's something in us that longs for adventure. Jeremiah says, there is a fire shut up in my bones and I can't contain it. I think there is a fire that God has placed in all of us for adventure and significance and meaning and, and to make a difference. And if we shrink back from that adventure because we're afraid of the cost, then the fire in us starts to die and our souls get smaller and smaller and smaller. In the first century, when they threw a bunch of Christians to the lions and killed them, 
conversions to Christianity went which direction? Up. I mean, does that make any sense to you? They kill a bunch of Christians and everyone said, you know, that looks good to me. I think I'll be a Christian. That's the power of God. But I also, I also think it speaks to something deep inside of us. Because those Christians didn't go to their death scared and groveling and sniveling. No, they went singing praises to God with courage and with joy. And I think we want that kind of courage. We want that kind of joy. We want that kind of adventure, right? Newsflash, we're all going to die anyway. Let's make it count, right? Let's make it count. So practically speaking, what does this look like? How do we Americans surrender to Jesus even when it's costly? Well, let me give you just a couple of ideas. It's an infinite possibilities, but the most important thing is that we start hearing from God and responding to the nudges he gives us. We need to learn to hear what he is saying to us as I talked about in the ways that I talked about last week. There's no one size fits all for this surrender thing. He's got a different plan for each one of us. I can't, it's no plug and play. I can't tell you up here, you know, here's the, here's the plan. It's a different plan for each one of us. That's why we have to need to learn we have to learn to hear what he's saying to us in the ways I talked about last week. Surrender, no matter the cost, might mean helping someone in need. Maybe it means being bold enough to talk about Jesus with, with folks. And I think the best way that we can show Jesus is through our actions, not our words. But occasionally we do need to use the J word so that people can know the God who loved them enough to die for them. I have a friend who, when she was in a graduate student, someone came up to her while she was eating once and shoved a Christian tract in her face, started talking to her. And the way she describes it, she said, it was rude, it was obnoxious, he was pushy, it was invasive, and I gave my life to the Lord right there. <laughs> she eventually switched her career. She became a Christian counselor. She's helped hundreds and hundreds of marriages heal, hundreds of people get out of despair. Now, passing out tracts isn't the way that I would do it, but you know what? That guy, whoever he was, he was part of God's rescue operation. And through this one woman alone, he has changed hundreds of lives. Surrender, surrender no matter the cost might mean mentoring a kid who needs it. It's costly in terms of time, but when, someone, when you know that you have changed someone's life for the better, it's, it's a thrill. Surrender might mean, mean reconciling with someone that you're mad at. Sometimes people will say to me, Pastor, I want to go deep in my faith. I want some real meat. Give me some real meat. And after asking some questions, sometimes they'll say, well, why don't you go reconcile with someone you're mad at? And sometimes they'll say, oh, no, I didn't mean that kind of meat. I, I was looking for a different cost, one that didn't, well, cost. Reconciliation is costly, but it's the DNA of the kingdom. The fuel of the kingdom is forgiveness. And when we do it, then we feel Jesus' power surge through our veins. Maybe it's service of some kind. There's a woman named Sue who had a house in the, in the Bay Area that she just loved. I mean, just loved this house. It fit her perfectly. She liked her neighbors, loved this house. But then in prayer, she started to get some nudges that she knew was from God that she needed to move out. Well, she, she fought that for a long time because she loved this house. But, finally, but it didn't go away, so finally she stepped out in faith, moved to a cheaper condo, and rented out the house for a while, still not certain why God wanted to do all this. Well, then she got a job at Stanford Hospital, and part of her job was to take calls from patients who were waiting for an organ transplant. And these people would come from all over the world. Often they arrived alone, desperate, scared. Most of the times they didn't have enough money to stay in a hotel for a long period of time. And that's when Sue knew what she had to do with her house. So even though she doesn't have a lot of money, she now lets patients who need it stay there for free. 
But what's more is she is living as cheaply as she possibly can because she wants to save up money and buy another condo to let even more people stay there for free. It's like she's addicted. And whenever she talks about it, her face lights up and she starts talking faster and she describes herself as rip-roaring enthusiastic. Following Jesus is costing her something. I mean, she has had to move out of a house she loves. She's had to radically downsize her lifestyle. But, but, but the God of the universe personally spoke to her with a personal invitation for a way that she could participate in his rescue operation to the world. And that has given her joy. Intimacy with God, adventure, joy, that's what we get when we surrender to Jesus no matter the cost. And then one more thing. We become whole. Finally, guys, this is about what kind of people we're going to become. And if we try to stay completely safe and completely comfortable and maximize pleasure in life, we're never going to reach that goal because it's not possible. But in the meantime, we will have done soul damage to ourselves. We'll start to be more and more afraid and our souls will get smaller and smaller and smaller and our world will shrink. And when your world is big, small, everything in it seems big. And I don't want that and I don't think you do either. I just heard a story about a basketball coach at a high school and during one of the practices, he gave a ball to each player and he said, I want you to practice shooting the ball from the places you might expect to be during the game. So this one kid went over and sat down on the bench and started shooting the ball from there. I don't want to be on the bench. I don't want to be on the bench. You know, it's safer, but it is way less fun. In a few weeks, I'm going to ask you to make a personal commitment to God to surrender something to him. What's that going to be for you? It's going to be your marriage, money, time, career, control, maybe an attitude you have. What will it be? And there will be a cost. There will be a cost to surrendering it. But what is the cost of not surrendering it? What do you lose there? And what are the benefits when you do surrender? You become whole. You have joy. You have adventure. You get connection with the living God. You know, in the Bible, when a flood threatened disaster, Noah built a boat, even though he had to endure ridicule from his friends. It cost him his reputation, but he was not afraid, and he had a great adventure. When the king threatened to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into a fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to his statue, they said, God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not be intimidated by your fascist tactics. We are not afraid. David faced Goliath at a huge cost if he would have lost. But he said, who is this Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? I am not afraid. And he had a great adventure. When Esther had to confront the king and risk her life in order to save her people, she said, I will go to the king. And if I perish, I perish. But it was for such a time as this. It was for this adventure that I was called into the kingdom. And I am not afraid. When a 14-year-old girl named Mary was told that she would give birth to Jesus, God himself in human form, even though she wasn't married, the cost for her was to be ridiculed as a prostitute or worse, stoned to death. But she said, may it be to me as the Lord wills, I am not afraid. Jesus faced the cross with courage and resolve. Paul and Silas were thrown into prison for preaching the gospel, but they sang so loud that the jailers were all converted and became Christians because two men proclaimed with boldness, I am not afraid. They were whipped, beaten, mocked, ostracized, and killed, but the more they were persecuted, the more joy they had, and the more people wanted to join them and become Christians too. How are you going to stop people like that? You can't. And they had adventures. 
They saw oceans divide in two. Lions become house cats at the power of God. Flames that didn't destroy them. And even when the worst happened and they died, they knew that their Redeemer lived and soon and very soon they would be with him in a place where there was no sorrow, no shame, no suffering, no death ever again. And the few hardships that we face here look small when compared to forever with God. These are our spiritual fathers. These are our spiritual mothers. And when those saints go marching in, I want to be one of them, don't you? Do not let the devil scare you off from surrendering to Jesus because of the cost, and there will be costs. But when you face those, you say to the devil, devil, I am a child of God, redeemed in Jesus Christ, bought with his blood, rescued by his hand, loved in his presence, commissioned with his authority, empowered by his spirit, and, and rescued by his joy, and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And he has personally asked me to be part of his rescue operation to this world, and I will not stop, I will not quit, I will not back down, back up, back away, or back off. No matter what the cost, I will not yield. I belong to the king, and I am not afraid. Following Jesus will make your life harder in a glorious way, and you will be free. Just before we come to communion, we want to give you a little bit of time to do some business with God. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you know what you need to surrender, but you're looking at the cost and you're thinking that cost is too big for me. Or maybe you are in some kind of pain right now. You've tried to do things right, but everything seems to be going wrong. And you don't know where God is. Maybe you're like Jeremiah and you're just crying out, where are you, Lord? I don't know where you are. Wherever you are, Ross is going to sing a song. And it's a song about being honest with God, being really honest with God. And finding his faithfulness, even when it's hard. And I just invite you to use this time to pour your heart out to God, to listen to him speak through the words of this song. Listen to what he has to say to you and know that he loves you, he loves you, he loves you beyond anything you could imagine.